You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, Episode 70. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I have for you a take two. I recorded this amazing interview all about boundaries with psychologist Dana Skaggs, oh, maybe six or eight weeks ago. And unfortunately, the Zoom files got all corrupted and we couldn't publish the episode. And Dana was gracious enough to come back for a round two. And I have to say, I think second time is the better time. This was an amazing conversation all about boundaries. And I personally feel that boundaries are something that women struggle with day in and day out. We just have a hard time putting our own needs first and being okay with putting our needs first. And so with this amazing conversation with Dana, we talk about what exactly boundaries are. She gives some amazing concrete examples to show how they play out in our lives. And we talk about practical examples to show you how um, you can start to enforce boundaries in your life to have have a happier, more fulfilling life. And I I certainly see this play out all the time with my clients. I see them have boundary violations or not be implementing boundaries where they should be. And that is leading to emotions that cause them to overeat. And so, you know, everything can always come back to weight loss because all the thoughts and feelings that we have as days go, go by are what lead us to the overeating. And so I think having this conversation with Dana is a really big step in encouraging you to think about where you need to put boundaries in your life and then take some steps to actually get it done. And so just a little bit more about Dana. Dana Skaggs has a master's degree in clinical psychology and she's a licensed psychotherapist. She's been in private practice for 15 years, specializing in anxiety, and adjustment issues along with trauma work. She's a board member for the Intermountain Psychological Association for four years, and she's been elected for two more. She's a frequent guest on WJHL Daytime Tri-Cities, discussing how to navigate the emotional terrain of everyday problems. She also contributed to the article Second Opinions, How You Can Leverage Mindset to Change Behavior, in the journal A+, from the Hong Kong Institute of Certified Public Accountants. She currently has a Listen Notes Top 10% podcast called Phoenix and Flame, focusing on pushing through and transforming even when we feel like a pile of ash. So without further delay, here is take two, the interview with Dana Skeggs. Dana, welcome to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast again for take two. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle, for having me. We're making this happen. <laughs> we're, we're making it happen. Uh, you know what? We had such a great conversation the first time. I'm certain this conversation is going to be just a hundred times better. So let's get to it. Dana, why yes. don't you tell us about yourself? I actually married my high school sweetheart and Aww. we've been married for 33 years and we've got three grown kids. And I got my master's degree in clinical psychology in the 1990s, about okay. the early 1990s. But along that way, 
uh, and this is key to boundaries. It's key to why I know what I know about boundaries. Um, I was raised by mom who was fantastic in a lot of ways. And she also struggles, struggled then and still struggles with several um, significant psychiatric uh, disorders Mm. that involved some rather significant mood shifting Mm. and uh, manipulative behavior and this kind of thing. And so I had to learn how to set boundaries to be able to navigate those very unpredictable waters. Mm -hmm. And then later on, I looking back, I feel like that was one of my motivating factors for going into psychology was because I think I was trying to find a way not only to protect myself, Mm -hmm. because I felt like if I could, if I could understand it, if I could get ahead of it, then I could protect myself, but also possibly to find a way to help her, which I didn't know at the time. That's not really that doesn't work that way, but you know, daughter wants to help the mom and I I was trying to. And, um, so, you know, you, you take that with the, about the 15 years or so that I've been doing psychotherapy. And I just started noticing that so many people that were coming into my office had boundary issues. Now they didn't realize that. And I didn't realize that at the time, but the more we got talking and investigating and really unpacking and, and, you know, unfolding what it was that was going on with them and why they were having the issues that they were having. I'm telling you, not a day would go by and sometimes not a session goes by without me pointing out that a lot of the core issue is boundary related. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a common problem amongst women, probably humans, but, but women in particular, and not just the population that presents for therapy. Because I think society really conditions us women to believe that our value comes from putting everyone else first and being caretakers for everybody else. And I think a lot of us don't even understand that we have needs that need to be taken care of. And and I think that's an important place where boundaries are important. Oh, Michelle, you are 100% correct. If, if you think about it, there's only one person on this entire planet that has been given the responsibility of keeping you together. Mm-hmm. It's you. It's, it's nobody else's job. Right. And if, if we neglect ourselves, then we in turn can't really care very well for those people that we love. If, if our wheels start getting all wobbly then we don't have, we're not in a stable place. We're not, our bucket is not full. We feel desiccated. We feel crispy and dusty and we can't Mm -hmm. serve those around us. We can't love those around us the way we want to because we have not nurtured ourselves. And that's our job. It's not someone else's job to do. No, it's it's definitely our own job. And it's also not our responsibility to fill the bucket of others. Oh, yes. Right. That's it. It it goes in reverse also. And, you know, before we get knee deep into this conversation about boundaries, Dana, can you can we actually talk about what boundaries are? Because I, I think it's a little bit of a 
of a nebulous term when we when we talk about it in casual conversation. So let's just define what a boundary is and what they look like when we're implementing them in our lives. That is fabulous. So Michelle, let me ask you this. I actually have a, a quiz that I'm going to be posting on my website that has 10 questions sure. that helps people kind of define, well, what are boundaries and do I have those issues? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. So if you want me to, I can read either all 10 or just pick a few, whichever you would yeah, prefer. No, let's, let's hear them. Let's hear okay. them. Okay. So number one, just imagine it, I'm going to ask the question and answer, you know, in your mind, yes or no. Number one, I feel guilty saying no. Number two, the idea of expressing my thoughts and feelings makes me nervous. Number three, my opinions don't matter as much as other people's. Number four, I'm frequently tense around others, especially in relationships. Number five, I have a hard time standing up for myself. Number six, I get taken advantage of quite a bit, whether it's at work or at home. In other words, if I do enough for someone else, they won't get mad at me. Number seven, I feel overwhelmed and burned out a lot. Number eight, I get blamed or I blame myself for other people's emotions and actions. Number nine, I apologize considerably more than my peers. And number 10, I feel as if I don't have control over my own life. Those are 10 questions that if you answered yes to any of those questions, not that other variables can't be in place as well, like Mm self-esteem and confidence and that kind of thing, but there's there's a possibility slash probability that there are some boundary issues present as well. All right. Well, I answered yes to two of those questions. I answered yes to one of the early questions about feeling tense around other people. Mm-hmm. And then question number seven about often feeling overwhelmed. Those are those were the two that I, I answered yes to. <laughs> you want to talk about those then? Sure. I mean, we might as well start with those. So when we're frequently tense around other people, the question becomes why? Mm-hmm. So let me take and put that sort of like on pause and go back and explain a little bit more about what boundaries are and how they work. And then I'm going to wrap back around and fold this in. Love it. So I like to use the analogy of yards. So imagine if you're in like a suburban place, because I know some larger cities, they're all concrete. They don't have a lot of grass. So just imagine for visual image sake that you're in a suburban area and there's several houses, you're in a neighborhood. Now, just for this imagery for right here, imagine there's no fencing. So if someone goes out to mow their yard, they usually know where to stop mowing to the inch so that they're getting just their yard and not their neighbor's yard. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the question becomes, why don't they mow their neighbor's yard? Even if the grass is a little bit long, maybe needs to be mowed why don't they mow their neighbor's yard? Mm -hmm. It's not their yard. Yeah. So, but they are mowing their yard because their yard is their responsibility. It belongs to them. They have responsibility to keep it maintained. And so they're out there mowing it, but they're not mowing their neighbor's yard. Now keep that in mind. Right. Now let's put fencing in. Let's just imagine there's some white picket fencing 
in between yards. Now, before I give you these two analogies, I want you to imagine that in each yard are your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions. Okay. And your yard, those belong to you and your neighbor's yard. That's, that's his or that's hers. Okay. So imagine that you are out on your front porch, just imagine it in your mind, even if you don't really have a front porch, just for this visual image sake, imagine that you do. And so you're out on your front porch and it's morning and you're, you're holding a warm cup of coffee. You're just kind of enjoying this quiet morning time and you're looking out at your yard. Well, you have spent a lot of time in your yard and picking out the particular flowers based on the kind of soil you have, based on what kind of sun you're getting, you've chosen a particular kind of mulch, you've got a gorgeous bird bath over there, you're so proud of it, you spend so much time picking everything out. Well, let's say you glance over to your left and there's a woman, your neighbor over here, coming out of, of her house and she also has a nice warm mug of coffee. She's walking out, she walks across her lawn and she leans against the white picket fence. And she's holding her mug of coffee and she's looking at your flowers. And she says to you, those are the gosh awfulest flowers I've ever seen in my entire life. Where in the world did you find those ugly things? So the question is, is that a boundary breach? Would you think it would be or not? Well, I'm tempted to say no. You're correct. Yeah, it's you are correct. Mm-hmm. She she's rude, mm-hmm. okay? She's hateful, mm-hmm. but she also has a right to her opinion. Sure thing. Yep. Now keep this in mind as we're going through. Now let's say that as you're standing there on your front porch, she watch her walk across her yard to her gate. And she opens her gate and she walks down the sidewalk and she opens your gate and she comes into your yard. And then she bends over and begins to pull all your flowers out of the soil. Now, is that a boundary breach? Definitely. Definitely. Because she crossed over the fence, right? Yes, she crossed over. She's in your yard. So keep that in mind. Now we're going to do the other analogy. Okay. Let's say this time it's Friday evening and you've worked all week and you're looking so forward to the weekend and you're just kind of like, woohoo, TGIF, you're so happy. And you're out on your front porch again. This time you have a glass of wine or some tea or some beer, whatever floats your boat, okay? Mm -hmm. And you're out there, you're kind of feeling celebratory, you're excited. Well, like I said, it's Friday evening. You notice cars coming in one after another, after another down the street. Well, they're parking next to your neighbor's house here to the right. Mm -hmm. You're noticing here comes the Domino's car. Guy gets out. He has like 10 boxes of pizzas coming out. The people that are getting out of their cars, they've got cases of beer under each arm. They're walking in. They've got music blasting. They're going to have them a really good fun party. It's really loud over there. A few of them enjoy smoking some weed. It's kind of wafting your direction. Okay. So you're looking at your neighbor throwing this very loud party, somewhat marginally obnoxious, but it's not like noise pollution level. Okay. So you can't call the police. The question is, is that a boundary breach? I want to say it depends. (laughs) I want to say it depends. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be if that's all on their side of the fence. But if we had a conversation about it, you know, in terms of noise and 
you know, traffic and, and, and stuff that does actually affect me over here on my side of the fence, then maybe that would be different. But That's I don't true. know, what, what is the answer? Well, basically, just to this point, because no conversations have taken place, because mm -hmm. you bring up an excellent point there. At this point, no conversations have taken place. Right. This is not, it's not a boundary breach. Fair enough. Okay. So, and let's say people, traffic still can get through. You still can drive up and down the road. That's a very good point. Okay. So you, you want some rest. So you just go inside your house and you just, you know, watch TV, read a book, whatever you enjoy doing for your Friday evening. And then you go on to sleep. Let's say that you're a morning person and you're back out there on your front porch in the morning, you got your <laughs> coffee and you, you glance over there at the yard and you notice it looks nasty. There are pizza boxes everywhere. There's slices of half-eaten pizza. There's beer bottles. There's beer cans strewn all over his yard. You're thinking, you know what? I want to be a nice, friendly neighbor. I would like to do a random act of kindness. And I happen to know that I have some extra large, flexible trash bags in my garage. I think I'm going to go get a couple of them or three or five. And I'm going to go next door and I'm going to clean all that up for my neighbor. So that when he comes out, and I know he's going to have a hangover, but when he comes out, the yard will be cleaned up. It'll just be my random act of kindness. Okay. So let's say that you go over there and you do that. And you're right. He comes out about two o'clock in the afternoon with his eyes all scrunched shut like a mole coming out of a hole. He's got a raging hangover and he's expecting to come out and have to clean up that nasty mess. But he looks at his pristine yard and he's shocked and he glances over at you and you happen to be out on your porch again at two o'clock. And you're like, you're waving going, hey, neighbor, no worries. I clean your yard up for you. I knew you weren't going to be feeling good. I didn't have anything else to do. I'm a morning person. So I just cleaned it up for you. No, no big deal. He could have kissed your feet. He was so thankful and so grateful. Now, let's say that you do the exact same thing for seven more weeks in a row. Every Saturday for seven more weeks, you get your stretchy extra large trash bags and you go over there and you clean up the mess created from his parties on Friday nights. Then you've done, so you've done it for eight weeks in a row. Week nine on a Saturday, you have other plans. So you didn't clean it up. You're go out going, doing your plans. You come rolling in the driveway about two o'clock when he comes crawling out of his house. This time he looks over at you. How is he going to feel now? Well, he's probably going to feel upset that I didn't clean his yard. Yes, he is. He's going to be mad because you didn't clean up his yard. Why is it that he expects you to clean up his yard? Because I've done it, you know, week after week. Yes. Yeah. So that is another type of boundary breaching. Yeah. When we go into someone else's yard and we prevent them from experiencing the natural consequences of their choices. Sure. All it would have been him cleaning that up. He might have had fewer parties on Friday nights had he been had to clean it up every Saturday whenever Very he got true. out of his house. Very true. So all you did, you prevented him from experiencing the natural consequences of his choices when you did that. And you trained him to expect you to do it. So when you stopped, he was angry. Right. Okay. So keep those two illustrations in mind. Now, going back to the yards in each yard, you know, in your yard are your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions. So can you think of some examples like you were talking about 
feeling tense in mm-hmm. relationships and things. Because mm-hmm. that was the first one that you said that you picked on the, the quiz. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, if you ask yourself, why am I tense? Sometimes we're thinking because I'm concerned about what the other person is thinking about me. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. That is what I'm thinking. And then I'm also thinking that I have to act and behave in a different way depending on who I'm in relationship with at the moment. So I feel like I have to act very professional if I'm with a colleague. And I feel like I have to be, you know, very present and kind when I'm with my family and, you know, other things. So I feel like I have to perform maybe is the word or show Mm -hmm. up in a way that doesn't always feel the way I want to, but that's because I'm thinking that they're going to judge me if I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you've got an excellent point there because let's be honest and say that a lot of us wear different hats Mm -hmm. for different reasons. And there's some reasons why professionally speaking, we're not going to act with our co-workers with our colleagues like we would with our best friend you know drinking margaritas at the beach we're just that's a two two totally different situations so some of what you're describing is exactly what you should be doing and it's a healthy way of acknowledging that you have different parts of yourself and you're going to bring out one part for this area and you're going to bring out another part for this area you're still honoring those different parts of yourself but you're saying certain ones are more appropriate for certain platforms yeah, yeah. And then, you know, sometimes I just have to put more energy. My my inclination is to always just say what's on my mind. And sometimes what's on my mind isn't appropriate to be verbalized in, 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 that, in that situation. But I think most of the tension comes from worrying about how I will be judged or perceived um, by the people that I'm, I'm with at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And because we have to, we have to face that and go, okay, they have a right to their opinion. Like the neighbor that said your flowers are ugly, right? They, they, your colleague or whoever you're with, they might think something negative about you fill in the <laughs> blank with what that might be. And if they do think that, although that doesn't feel all that wonderful, we get to a point where we're like, and right. Uh, so what if this person thinks I'm not as smart as they are, or this person thinks I don't look as good as they do, or this person think I doesn't have much, as much experience as they do. Right. Okay. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're not. Mm-hmm. They have a right to their opinion and we have a right to our opinion. Just like the neighbors who don't like my flowers. Exactly. They don't yep. have to plant those flowers in their yard. Understood. Yep. Good. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now your other one that you picked what was the second one that you said that you on the quiz? Um, number seven. Overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Yeah, burned yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about in a way to give you another type of analogy of boundaries being like a cellular membrane mm-hmm. where a cell has to push out toxin, mm-hmm. but it also has to pull in nutrients like mm-hmm. an osmotic membrane. Right. We have to do the same thing. We have to push the toxin out, but we also have to pull in nutrients. Mm -hmm. We have to recognize when we need something for ourselves and we have to access that. That's our responsibility to do. Right. So if we need, if we need a vacation, if we need some time with friends, if we need to curl up and read a book, even though so-and-so thinks that we should be doing something else, that's our call to make. And that's our responsibility because that is absolutely in our yard. 
It is absolutely in our yard. And what, what I find fascinating about this piece of it is because I, I did not answer yes to that question of having difficulty saying no to others. I actually don't have trouble saying no to other people, but do I ever have trouble saying no to my own brain? When I get an idea, you know, where something strikes my fancy, I want to do all the things all the time. And I simply don't have the capacity for all the things all the time. And so I let way too much in that's negative and not in enough things that, that actually fill my bucket. So I like that, that's a, a boundary too, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. It's an internal boundary. An internal boundary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, that's where so my overwhelm comes from. Yeah. So sort of kind of like noticing, like you were just giving a good example of is when you're not in a healthy place, and what's causing that and being able to set a boundary with yourself and say, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do that. Or I'm going to have this and I'm not going to have that. Or I'm going to buy this, but I'm not going to buy that. And being able to sort of, in a way, being a parent to yourself. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. I feel like when boundaries are violated, it feels like crap. Yes. Like, like, I feel like when I, when I look at my life that a lot of the times where I'm just feeling unsettled or I'm feeling like things aren't, um, like th- things aren't feeling good, things aren't feeling right. Often that is because I have boundaries that are being violated that sometimes I can see. Um, and other times I'm just not recognizing that that's what's going on. And so I guess my question is, are there ways to identify when boundaries are being um, either inappropriately made or not made when they should be there? Yes. Really, if you think about a pattern, because mm-hmm. we can all have off days, you know, and other people can have off days, but if you notice that there's a pattern when you're with a certain individual, that you just kind of something feels off. You're just tense. You're just really double checking and double guessing, second guessing yourself before you say things. You're overly concerned about what the other person is going to think about it, how they're going to respond to you. Mm-hmm. You're just expending a whole lot of energy trying to manage things that may not belong to you. Right. I've said to people before that it's sort of like this when you don't normally walk around thinking about your throat. I haven't thought about my throat all day today until right this minute, <laughs> Fair enough. but if you have strep throat, then you're going to think about it, right? Because it's, there's something wrong. It's hurting mm-hmm. people in your life are similar. So a lot of the times, if people are naturally respecting your boundaries, you don't really think about it that much. It just seems to flow your thoughts about being with them are neither here nor there. It's just okay or not. You don't feel any kind of thing about it. But if there's someone in your life that when you think about them, it's just, there's some, it's like that itch in your throat. It's like that pain in your throat with that person. And frequently that issue is going to be boundary related. Again, not that there aren't other things going on. Mm -hmm. For example, the other person might be an abusive person. Sure. Or we might have issues with our own self-esteem. We might be, you know, have some cognitive distortions going on. You know, there are those things present as well. But at the end of the day, as long that has to be the first step is how much of this is mine. Right. 
How much of this are my thoughts, my feelings, and my actions? And how much of what's going on here between me and this person, how much of it is them? Mm-hmm. How much of it is their thoughts, their feelings, or their choices? Because until you make that delineation, right, you can't really start because it's not your job to be working on their stuff. Yeah. But and you do have to work on your own. I think that's probably a really important point to emphasize there as well, because I'm not so so sure many of us spend a lot of time thinking about where where that boundary is between my thoughts and my feelings and my actions and somebody else's. Because I still think most of our default way of thinking is that the things that I say make the other person feel something. And that's not the case. We're saying that the opposite is true, right? Well, what we're saying is a a different way of saying what you just said is Mm -hmm. I did a certain thing and then the other person reacted a certain kind of way. Mm -hmm. Technically, we cannot make anybody feel any kind of thing. They cannot make us feel any kind of way. Right. Because the feelings are in the brain. Right. Actually, that's where they reside. And so we say, you made me mad. Well, actually what happened was they did something and then we responded with anger. Right. There's a line between those two things. And that's important. Mm -hmm. Let's say, for example, that you did something because let's look at your yard and you get to review your own behavior. And I strongly suggest that you do this with no judging, just simply observing, just observing what you've done. And maybe you went in your yard and you're like, you know, I see over there that I said something to somebody the other day that in retrospect was probably pretty hateful. Wasn't a very nice thing to say. So we can then own that behavior. We can go in our yard, pick it up, We can walk across our yard to the fence line and we can say to that person, hi, I wanted to apologize because the other day I said whatever to you and looking back, it feels like that was pretty hateful. And so I want you to know that I'm sorry and I'm going to try as hard as I can not to do it again. Now, at that point, the fence line is pressing into your abdomen. You have gone as far as you can how they receive what you say and how they respond back to what you say, you have no control over. So they might accept your apology. They might say, oh, I forgot all about that. I forgot you even said that. Or they might say, well, you know what? That's been bothering me for the last week. So I'm glad that you brought that up and I appreciate you saying you're sorry and I accept your apology and let's let bygones be bygones. Or they might say, you know, screw you. I can't, I can't stand you anyway, and I never liked you anyway, and that behavior just proved to me what a butthole you are anyway, so I'm just going to just get out, and then they might choose to hold a grudge, and every time you see them outside, they might give you a nasty look or not look at you at all or be passive aggressive in some kind of way. Again, all of that belongs to them. That's not yours. Right, right, yeah, and I think that... That example makes a ton of sense. But what about, and just to bring this back to things that come up all the time with my clients in regards to food, but food pushers, 
like family members or friends or colleagues who are always trying to make you eat. Like the, the famous example is, you know, grandma's cookies every time you go and, and see her and you don't want the cookies mm-hmm. and you tell grandma, please, you know, leave, leave the cookies out of the visit, you know, this time, but grandma keeps bringing the cookies and getting upset when you say no to the cookies. How, you know, how, how do you manage this? Because the way I understand boundaries from this conversation is that this is something we do for ourselves. Yes. Is there like, when, when is there a role to communicate with another person about where your boundaries are? Okay. I love this example. Like another example just might be, you know, me and my husband is like, there are just some times where I just need some time alone, right? Mm -hmm. Just a little bit, an hour or two of, you know, space, you know, just, just to me. And I mean, fortunately he understands that and, and he gives that to me, but I've got plenty of girlfriends who are constantly telling me they never get time alone at home and no matter how often they tell their family to just, you know, don't, don't open the door when I'm in this room, let me have my space, people just keep, keep coming in. So in instances like that, what, what do we do? Okay. So let's go to the cookie example first. So once you have communicated that, because that is your job to do that, because other people can't read your mind, So to say, you know, look, I'm trying to cut back on the cookies. I would really, I'm trying to eat more healthy things and I don't really want that, but it's very tempting to me because they're just so delicious. Would you please not make those when I come over because I'm going to want to eat them, but I'm trying not to. So once you have communicated that and she knows that. And she doesn't have dementia. Let's assume she doesn't have dementia. No, no dementia. Grandma doesn't have dementia in this example. No. That'll be another story. But if she doesn't have dementia, when you go over there and she has the cookies, what that's about is she wants to make the cookies because it's making her feel better. Right. Yes. So her behavior is saying that she knows your boundary, but she's caring more about her feelings than yours. hmm because she feels that's how she expresses love is in making the cookies. She doesn't want to change that. She's going to do it because it makes her feel better. And so that's what's going on. So first of all, when you, when we set boundaries, we cannot tell other people what to do. Sure. Okay. Because you're shooting yourself in the foot right there because you can't make them do any kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you can decide what you are going to do. Sometimes boundaries is a good way of expressing it is saying, if you fill in the blank, then I fill in the blank. So in this particular instance, you could say, after you've explained it all, and she kept making the cookies, you would say, Grandma, next time I come to visit, if you have these cookies made, then I'm going to leave. Right. And you say very nicely, you say very kindly. But what you're saying is what you are going to do, because you can say all day, please don't make those cookies, but you cannot control whether she makes those or not. Mm -hmm. But you are in control of your response. And sometimes when people, they don't listen to your words necessarily, especially if it's meeting their need. Mm -hmm. She's meeting her need of making the cookies because it makes her feel better because she feels like she's loving you with cookies. Right. Okay. So Sometimes when that is happening, they will respond to your behavior 
even though they will not respond to your words. Right. So you start with words. Please don't make those cookies and you explain it. Next time you show up, she has the cookies. So then you say, like I said, grandma, I know that you're trying to love me with the cookies and I appreciate that so much. I love you too. But I already explained that I don't want those. I'm trying to be healthier. So, and you could do it right then if you wanted to. You could say, I'm going to go ahead and go home now. Mm -hmm. When I come visit you again, if you have cookies again, then I'm going to leave. So if you would like to visit with me, then let's offer, let's do something else. How about I bring next time, I'll bring and then fill in the blank. So you kind of, you're more proactive. You're like, right. don't next time I'm going to bring such and such, and I'm going to share it with you. Let's enjoy that next time. Right. So you're being, you're being nice. You're being kind. You're, you're being proactive. You're offering another solution, but you're also basically saying if those cookies are around, I'm going to leave. Right. And so I guess in situations like this, there's two steps. The first one is communicating in a kind and loving way that yes. this is this is my boundary. And then the second part of that is actually following through with the if then, you know, sort of sort of statement. Because I imagine, you know, if you say, you know, grandma, if the cookies are are here, I'm I'm just I'm I'm gonna go home and you don't go home, then you're training grandma that what you say doesn't matter. And it's just like the cleaning up the, the party mess um, for the neighbor, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You have got to do what you say you're going to do or you're training them to ignore your words. Right. Yeah. Because if people, if you've been around, if you've been in a relationship with someone for a while and they don't listen to your words, it's because you've trained them not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I consider that good news because anything that belongs to us, we get to change. Exactly. And why, why I think this conversation is so important to have is because I watch so many women, first of all, assume that their family members are able to read their minds and intuit what they need and what they want. And then they feel unloved, unseen, unheard, all of the things, um, by their family when they're not showing that they're intuiting all of this stuff, right? Like that's, that's the first thing I see. And then I also see clients telling their families all the time, things that like, I need time alone, or I need X, Y, Z, and then not enforcing the, if then, you know, sort of piece of it, and then feeling the same way. And why that's important in my work is that those feelings of being un unseen or unheard or or disrespected at home is what makes lots of women eat. Mm -hmm. I just, I just hear this from clients all of the time. And so the solution to that um, is really this, it's learning how to put these boundaries in place and understanding that doing so not only helps you, but it actually helps the other person. Yes. You know, going back to grandma's cookies examples, it's like, there's always a part of, of you that would just be a little apprehensive going to see grandma because you're going to have to deal with this whole conversation about the cookies and it's exhausting. And so once you deal with the cookies issue and you can just go and have a lovely conversation with grandma, it's so much more enjoyable and so much more fulfilling, right? 
Yes. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Because you, you've got to, you've got to be the one you mentioned you feeling unseen and, and not, not really noticed and cared about in the family. Mm-hmm. You're the one that has to do that. Mm-hmm. So for example, I love the example you gave about needing some time alone or needing mm-hmm. some time to chill out. And you're expressing to your family, look, I just need, just give me an hour or even 30 minutes. Just, mm-hmm. I'm going to close the door. Please don't knock on it. I'm going to be in here. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to do whatever, but I've got to do this for myself. Mm-hmm. And they ignore you. They come pounding on the door, walking in the door, or they just talk to you or text you on your cell. Mm-hmm. An example would be say, okay, this is what I need. And you could talk, for example, if you're talking to your husband, if you choose to not listen and interrupt me, you say it nicely. But if you choose not to listen to me and interrupt me, then I am going to go down and pick a nice hotel close by, nice one. I'm going to go and I'm going to go pay for a room in the hotel and I'm going to spend a couple hours there. And so that money's going to come right out of the budget. Right. So it's just like, yeah. so I'm going to find a way because I know, I know that I'm responsible for myself. I know that I have got to have some downtime. I can't control you all. I'm trying to communicate my needs to you. If you're not going to listen, if you're choosing not to listen to me, which I can't make you listen. If you're choosing not to listen to me, then I am going to go get a room at the hotel for a few hours. And I might even get me a massage while I'm there. And I might even go down and spend some time in the hot tub while I'm there too. (laughs) And, you know, I might come back by the time it's for supper. I might not. So just to let you know, now, having said this, you cannot say this unless you are prepared to do it. Do it. Yeah. You have got to do it because your behavior is what's going to teach them. Because I guarantee you, you do that one time. And then the next time you're at home and you say, look, I need some downtime. What do you think is a possibility that everyone's going to leave you the hell alone? (laughs) Well, right. Yeah. Because you went to the hotel last time. Yep, exactly. And you're not doing it out of spite. You're not doing it out of anger. Mm -hmm. You're simply saying, I express my needs to you. You're ignoring me. You're not listening. You're not doing what I asked. So I'm going to do this. Right. It's just very simply. And when you, when we use this example to me, this just feels like such a beautiful act of self-love and self-compassion to actually go to the hotel when you're going to. Yes. Well, when you say that you will is, is, is what I meant to say. Right. Because if you, if you say, you know, I just need this half an hour alone. And if you, you know, come in or interrupt me, I'm going to go to the hotel and then you don't go to the hotel. Right. I mean, that sends such a message to the rest of the family, but it also is very, I don't know what the word is, but when I think of being in that situation, it feels almost self-deprecating somehow to say that I'm going to do this and not, not value myself enough to actually go through and book that hotel to be able to give myself what I need. Yes. Right. Knowing that you deserve it. Yes. The problem is so many women will put the family first anyway. And let's, let's challenge that just a little bit, shall we? Yeah. Putting the family first. I, I challenge, is it putting the family first by neglecting yourself to the point that you are crispy, crunchy, and dusty 
You have nothing left to give anybody. Your patience is zero. Your frustration tolerance is zero. You're screaming and hollering at everybody because you're so angry and overwhelmed and just burnt out. How is that putting the family first? Well, and I, I get it. I agree with you completely. And when I, when I say that same sort of phrase to women who are reluctant to give themselves what they need, I often get this, well, yeah, but yeah, but like, I know, I know that, but still I feel too guilty or whatever, you know, whatever else comes up. Hmm. So when I have patients that do that, I have to switch gears and I'm, I'm looking for something inside of them. It's called symptom deprivation because basically what's going on is there's, they're meeting some kind of a need mm-hmm. that if, if any of us are engaged in a behavioral pattern, especially in light of, of logic, in light of education to the otherwise, and we just keep doing it, mm-hmm. it's meeting some kind of a need. Sure it is. Now, sometimes that need is very irrational. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's subconscious. Sometimes they're not even aware of it. Mm -hmm. But for example, let's say someone in that situation, there's a woman in that and she feels guilty. She doesn't want to go. Maybe there's a part of her that witnessed some things when she was younger and she's terrified that if she takes a stand, then she's going to be abandoned. And so there's a part in her mind that says, we can't do that because if we go do this and if we take a stand and, and, and you know, take care of ourselves, then they might be able to take care of themselves and not need me anymore. And if they don't need me anymore, then they're probably going to leave me. Yeah. I, they have to, they have to need me so that I'm not expendable. Yeah. I, I hear stories like that often. And I also hear um, stories along the lines of, if I don't give in to everything that my children need, regardless of what I need, then I'm a terrible mother. And if I'm not a good mother, then I'm nothing. Mm-hmm. I hear like variations of that a lot as well. Yeah. So giving in to everything that your kids need, first of all, I challenge whether that's a good thing or not, mm-hmm. because sure. Our home life is a practice ground for real life. Mm-hmm. And most of us mothers want our kids to be successful. And eventually they're going to launch out of our home, or we hope they do. Fingers crossed, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Into a healthy, wonderful, victorious life of their own. Mm-hmm. Well, we all know that out there in the real world, people aren't going to just satellite around our children. Our children are not, not going to be little sons that everybody else satellites around, giving them everything they want whenever they want it. Mm-hmm. That's not the real world. Yeah. And so doing every little jot and tittle and sing, single thing for your child, I question whether that's the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. So who are we doing that for really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, exactly. Right. And so I find that when we start talking about boundaries in the coaching realm, when I start coming up to resistance like this, I'm usually gently encouraging them to go see someone like you, honestly, because, because I like, I, it's, it's just something that I think is so 
integral to living a healthy life is being able to have these healthy boundaries in your, in your life as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, there's limits to what I can do as a coach and places where they're much better served by you. (laughs) (laughs) And those would be two good examples of that. I think. (laughs) Well, everybody's, everybody's on a path, but the good news there is that if, if somebody does reach a point, if they're listening to this episode and they're in a place in their life where they feel kind of stuck, Mm -hmm. where there's a resistance inside of themselves, they like hear you with their logical mind, they hear you, but there's a part of them that is pulling and and kind of resistant to setting these boundaries in place. Mm -hmm. That typically means there's something in the emotional part of our brain where the hippocampus and amygdala reside, Mm -hmm. that that part of our brain does not respond to logic. Yeah, for sure. And it usually is, is, that's the part where it holds the trauma. And so there's something in there, there's some strong conclusion in there that they've drawn that is pulling them away from doing what they know is logically the best thing to do. The good news is you're not alone. Go find a therapist, figure that out. Well, uh, absolutely. And then just, you know, if people are listening and feeling apprehension about doing boundaries work, I just want to say that it actually... It, it works. So I, I would say, you know, three years ago, I probably would have said yes to eight of those questions. Wow, right? that's fabulous. And, you yeah, such and, progress. Right. And, and even just, I would say even two years ago, saying no to other people was something very difficult for me. And now it's really no problem. Right. And I have been able to set these boundaries in my marriage to be able to get the space that I need. And that's just made our marriage stronger. Like this, this is, the result of boundaries is feeling, um, having much more freedom in life for one, but closer relationships and definitely more, more fulfillment. And so I do remember it being uncomfortable having these conversations and, you know, doing some of these boundaries work and also being able to say that, you know, metaphorically, when the neighbor says that she doesn't like my flowers, understanding that that's just her opinion separate from me and and who I am, and that I can continue to love whatever flowers I want and have whatever flowers I want in in my yard. Neighbor doesn't have to look at them. No. Right. Yeah. Right. And and so, you know, it's it's to be in this place where things like that don't affect you so much is such a beautiful place to be. So even if it feels uncomfortable having these conversations or doing the boundaries on work, it's so worth it on the other, on the other side. And it gets easier because the more you do it, the more you understand how healthy it is and how it actually makes things better um, in the long run. So just wanted to put that out there. That's awesome. And plus, and what you're saying too, is that you're training other people Mm -hmm. to expect you to have healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. For example, if you're at work and because I've had other physicians who have been patients of mine and it's like being on that work and sometimes the female male thing at, in the, in the medical situation, the males will some, not always, but sometimes will try to take advantage Mm -hmm. of females in the the medical I've had like a a surgeon and that was an interesting you know story but it's when you when you set say those no's and set those boundaries and not not care if they get mad that's their anger is not your problem but and also understanding 
your responsibility in setting those boundaries. So mm-hmm. a good, you know, good example is I, um, up until recently, I'm, I'm the, the medical lead for the hospital now, but until recently, I was the medical lead for our department. And no joke for the, at the beginning, I would get phone calls at two or 3 a.m. from physicians who needed help with one thing or the other. I kept answering the phone. So, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, they're going to keep calling me whenever they want, if, if that's the thing. And all it took was me sending an email out saying, you know, listen, my phone will be on from these hours. If you need to get a hold of me after those hours, it's just, you're just going to have to wait or you can send me an email or, or whatever. And then, and then the phone call stopped. Right. And that's all it took was an email to say, you know, listen, these, these are my, my office hours, you know, so to speak, this is when I'll be available. There was saying, I love the way you worded that about what you would do. Because sometimes people have a negative impression of boundaries. It is just like slashing and burn and saying, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. No, and get out. no, no, no. It's, it's deciding what's healthy for you and saying, this is what I'm willing to do. Yeah, this is what yeah. I'm willing to do. And that's exactly what she said. These are going to be my office hours. These during these hours, I'm more than happy to help you and come alongside and answer your questions. Now, if you happen to call, you know, if you happen to need after that, then this is these are the steps that you need to take. And of course, your behavior is going to have to back it up because they're probably going to call anyway. And you have to like let it go to voicemail. Right, exactly. Your behavior yep. has to match your words. Yep. But see, that's a what boundaries is really very gracious and some of the most peaceful people I know are the ones that have a very good understanding of their boundaries because they say this is what I'm willing to do and I'm the one that gets to make that call you don't yeah I'm making that call and this is what I'm willing to do this is what I'd like to do and here's my here's the boundary set of what I'm going to do. So you determine about what you will do, not about necessarily what you won't. And I think that in this is actually a great place to practice boundaries because I think in the age of the cell phone and texting, people have gotten used to getting responses right away, right? You send a text and you respond right away. You get an email, you have your phone, you respond you know, right away. And so people come to a place where they expect you to um, be available all the time and respond you know, right away. Mm-hmm. And this might be a, a relatively non-threatening way to practice boundaries is just put some parameters around when you respond to emails. Yes. Right? And I, I see this in dating too with, with uh, adults it's sort of like you you set that parameter there right from the beginning because if you're in a if you're trying to navigate an early relationship with someone and they want you Johnny on the spot mm-hmm. and you're not that's not what I'm going to do you're showing them who you are so maybe they need to go find somebody else who's going to communicate like they do yep. so it's a very healthy and and nurturing good thing to do in the very beginning to let them know what your boundaries are. So then they can decide if that's okay with them or if they want to go, you know, pursue somebody else. Absolutely. That's brilliant, actually. I love that. And Dana, I'm just looking at the time. We're almost out of it. (laughs) And so at the start of this conversation, you mentioned the quiz and your website. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Okay. So the recording of this, we're recording this in October and I am, I'm not sure when it'll be launched, but I'm in the process of updating 
my website, which is phoenixandflame.com. And I'm going to have a boundaries quiz that's going to be posted on there. And I'm also working on making a boundaries course, an online course optional for somebody to choose if they decide they want to learn more about boundaries. And also my podcast, phoenixandflame.com. I mean, just Phoenix and Flame podcast. The first four episodes are just about boundaries. Wonderful. Okay. So if somebody just kind of wants to go to a place and just listen to this all over again, just hear the building blocks yep. of what boundaries are and how they play out. The episodes one, two, three, and four of Phoenix and Flame cover just that. But Wonderful. if somebody wants to send me an email, they can go to phoenixandflame.com and contact me through that or Dana Skaggs, uh, D-A-N-A-S-K-A-G-G-S at phoenixandflame.com. That's, a, that's my straight email. Perfect. Um, that way I can, anyone wants to communicate, I'll be happy to do that. Wonderful. And I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes as well. So people can find you if, if they want to learn more about boundaries. Fabulous. And before we sign off, um, Dana, any last words of wisdom to share? Well, you know, thinking about boundaries, just try to stay in your yard. Just stay in your yard. My, stay in your yard. You know, that's your yard. You're responsible for it. Don't get in other people's yards. Stay in your yard. Love it. Thanks so much, Dana. Thank you, Michelle. All right, Dana, thank you for that amazing conversation. Listeners, if you would like to learn more about Dana, head on over to her website, www.phoenixandflame.com. We'll have that in the show notes down below for you as well. And if you'd like a space to practice implementing boundaries, to talk about what they might mean for you, and to explore how they're playing out in your relationship with food, come and join me inside the Nourish Yourself Body and Mind Group Coaching Weight Loss program. You can learn more about it and register at www.waysahealth.com forward slash nourish dash yourself. And I would love you in there with our amazing community of women. It is a place I think you would feel so welcome and so at home. And so I hope to see you in there soon. And if not, I will certainly see you on the podcast next week. Thanks y'all.